One of the things I miss, among many things uh, I miss while we are not able to be together as a congregation in this sanctuary, is seeing the children of the church run up uh, the center aisle for the time with the young church that we just heard a few moments ago. There have been some times when I've gotten worried when the children started running up that center aisle. I've seen children over the years run and in their excitement sit down so hard next to the font that they hit it and it tilts ever so slightly up on its base. Parents crane their heads at that moment to see whose wayward child did it secretly hoping that it is not their own. Luckily, this font is made of pretty sturdy stuff, and it has a wide base, and it survives the bump. When I think about it, there are many scenes that we find ourselves in around this font here at First Pres. The elders will do some serious navigating around it during the Lord's Supper. They want to make sure they don't turn too quickly with the pile of plates and collide with these baptismal waters. We conduct commissioning services from the font. We, the preacher for the day will pronounce a benediction from the font. Pour, pouring water into it marks the beginning of the Lord's Day worship We ordain and install elders uh, as we do today around this font. We must account for it all the time. Shall I stand to the right of it or the left of it? In front of it or behind? During children's sermons, sometimes there are one or two children hiding behind it so that I cannot make eye contact. It drives wedding planners and funeral home personnel Bonkers sometimes, asking if it can be moved from the center of things, and it routinely is. Even so, it never leaves this space. It must be contended with. These baptismal waters will not be denied. And when we started discussing the new chancel design here, there was no doubt in anyone's mind the font must remain front and center, its waters beckoning and sending as it has for generations. We're told in the Scriptures that when God created the first day, according to Genesis, God drove back the watery chaos and gave order to the creation. And today we're told that God tore open the heavens on what we call the new first day, that God drove back the chaos of evil and gave humanity a new identity in Jesus Christ. On the eighth day, Jesus was raised from the dead. That's why most baptismal fonts, including ours, have eight sides, symbolizing that Jesus is the inauguration of the eighth day the kingdom of God, the new creation born through these waters. The same Spirit of God that brooded over the watery chaos, bringing life to God's beloved world, is the same Spirit that descends now 
through the torn apart heavens and pronounces Jesus as the beloved Son, the one with whom God is well pleased, the one who will set free God's beloved world. So try as we might, we cannot get around these waters today. They will have their way with us one way or another. It's through these waters that we receive our identity as beloved children of God. We discover through these waters who we really are. And in a world that never ceases in its attempts to name us, today we remember that these waters mark us as members of the covenant community, the household of God. These waters will not be denied. They stand in our way as a constant reminder of who and whose we are. These waters mark and name us. And when we walk out of this sanctuary, we carry that mark and that name with us into the world, a world that God loves, remarkably so, a world that God loves. And so when we go to work, whether it's in person or on a, on a computer screen, we are baptized. When we drive on the streets, we are baptized. When we vote, we are baptized. When we encounter our enemies, we are baptized. At home, we are baptized. At school, we are baptized. There's no place we can go. There is no realm in which we can move where we can escape these waters and their claim upon us. They render extraordinary grace into our lives. Our ordinary lives resound with the extraordinary grace of God. Living with this text this past week forced me once again to recognize the power of baptism and the vocation of baptism. The power of baptism is God's grace. God's grace, which is the great leveler of persons. We are all of us debtors to grace which is to say we stand on level ground before God. The waters of baptism are a mark that signifies God's love for us long before we were able to return that love to God. It's a radically inclusive sign that our race does not create inequality, nor does our gender or our sexuality or our income or our political party. All of us are equal before the sight of God through these waters. We are all debtors to grace. And baptism grafts us into the nonviolent realm of God, a kingdom that comes not through military might, but through justice, and love, and peace, shalom, which are not slogans in God's kingdom, but ways of walking in the world. And I would be so bold as to say these ideals belong not just to the church, 
but they are our unique vocation in the world. They lie at the root, I believe, of our nation's highest aspirations that all people are created equal. That all are endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights. All those buildings and monuments in Washington, D.C. and scattered around our country in various capital centers serve as a reminder of those ideals. Ideals that we never follow perfectly, far from it, but toward which we all as one nation strive in the effort to form a more perfect union. No act of violence can destroy or deter the power of justice, equality, love, peace, shalom in our nation, in our world, in our church. And so today we are ordaining and installing a new class of elders, each of whom have passed through these waters. Today, the call of God to live out their baptism has brought them to this particular place to answer a particular call of service. And through their time on the session for the three years that they serve, they will continue to live out their baptisms as they lead this congregation in its ministry. They will be calling on all of us as well to answer the call in our own lives as it emerges from our baptism and calling us to walk with them in a common ministry. And I hope when they step off the session at the end of the year 2024, they will step off of that session having grown and deepened in their own faith and have presided, having presided over a church that has grown and deepened in its own walk, its own baptismal identity in the world. Because they are coming onto our session at a moment of great crisis and opportunity, they will be asked to help us discern the will of Christ in these days when so many voices from all different sides summon us away from baptismal identity and toward the deep divisions that plague our world. I know our future is full of hope because the gifts God has given these five elders are substantial. They have been commissioned at this font and they will lead us all from this font. Soon enough, friends, children will race down this aisle again. Elders will navigate it bearing bread and wine Planners of weddings and funerals will wonder what to do with it. Until then, though, the waters that it contains are no less grace-filled or revolutionary wherever we are. And the Spirit who continues to tear open the heavens and descend as a peaceful dove is no less active in our midst, no matter where we are. 
So let us pray for ourselves and for this weary world. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Spirit of God. And let us hear these words afresh. All of us, you, all of you, are my beloved children. With you I am well pleased. May it be so. Amen.